broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 and Ajar and Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. Oh yeah, hope you had a happy Thanksgiving. Milestone Monday here on the show. Not because of any news the Jags made. Instead, because of you. Mm. They hit two million views during the show today. Like, will some horn go off and, like, cars start beeping and, and Man, I hope so. confetti and balloons? I mean, come on, Coos, make that happen. Maybe, like, around 352 or something like that. I don't know, maybe. As I feel like we should make this, like, a Price is Right kind of show. Yeah, I like that, man. Like, I don't even know if two million views is good or not. But yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's, it's analytics, and I'll tell you what, the theme of, uh, you know, that Jaguars game, too, on Sunday in terms of analytics not necessarily the best thing to be worried about sometimes, but I think when you have two million viewers uh, or interactions or whatever the the whole goal is here, that's good. Yeah. At least I think in terms of analytics. I think that's good. Here's the thing. It's know, more man. than last year. It's more than last fact, year. It doubled last year around this time. So it's better. So it's better. So it's better. And we can get behind 2020 that. 2020 has been terrible, but that's not terrible. We can get behind that, Brent. So we, we can go. work with that. Uh, anyway, we will, uh, we're going to have a few giveaways for especially our, our viewers. Again, when we say viewers, that doesn't count anybody listening on ESPN 690 in your car, ESPN690.com, or uh, Ask Alexa, or mm. the TuneIn app, or our radio app, all this, these other platforms and streams that we have. So anyway, we appreciate being along for the ride. But um, enough about that, at least for now, although we do have uh, fun sharing that part of the story. And we do thank you um, because we think it's somewhat significant uh, that we are still a show. Yeah, <laughs> quite frankly, still a job. <laughs> we still, the lights are back on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but they're they're off in Dave Caldwell's office. And that is the biggest story of the day and, and big story of yesterday as it happened uh, right after the game. And I can tell you this. This is something that was decided really uh, probably by Shad Khan days ago. But uh, Shad Khan and, and Dave Caldwell had dinner Saturday and Dave Caldwell knew that this was happening, you know, even Saturday night. So uh, this uh, was not stunning to him. I don't think, and he also knows the the record is what the record is. And uh, as Doug Marone said today in a conference call, as he's been saying for the last few weeks, you can't hide from the record, you know. Yeah. And and it's a results oriented business. So, uh, no surprise. Uh, you can be surprised by timing, but none of the moves that now transpire from here on out over the next uh, you know month or so will be very surprising. We don't think, unless somebody stays <laughs> like a Doug Marone, that would be flooring and, and surprising. But I think uh, the writing is on the wall. And what this does now is jumpstart the Jaguars. This gets them going on a refresh. And listen, I, I, I like Dave Caldwell a lot. Uh, and uh, he's been very good to me. All the, the things that I think you'll hear probably people in the media say. Uh, but all, going back to the Gus Bradley era, you know, there, there are, um, again, they've been very good uh, to to me. So. I'm not sitting here being like, ah, the worst guy that ever existed as a GM, all, all that stuff. But uh, listen, I, I mean, I've talked to him and, and he knows and I say it. I mean, how can you not be critical? Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, how can you not just look at the record and say, well, it's just not enough and and had plenty of time to, to do it, too. You know, so I think everybody knows what's going on here. And I think for that reason, there's a level of excitement about maybe a refresh that's never existed before in Jacksonville. Because of the idea that you can get the QB. And right now the Jags are still in line to get one of the two top quarterbacks in next year's draft, at least for now. So uh, that's what this move is significant because it's going to reset an offseason like we've never seen before in Jacksonville. We've seen regime changes. In fact, Shad Khan has ignited a few regime changes already. 
as an owner, and he hasn't even been the owner that long. But this is going to be different, and it's not different because they're looking for a GM, although that makes it a little bit different. It's not different because they're probably going to be looking for a head coach. That makes it a little bit different. But it's because they have the ability to get a franchise quarterback, and that's never stared them in the face going into an offseason like it might do and at least is in line to do right now. And, of course, the thing everybody's talking about right now is how attractive this job might be to the next people that come in here in whatever capacity they are. Uh, so we're going to get into that part of it. Uh, we'll get into the, the different things that surround the Dave Caldwell firing. I think it's important to do this. It's easy to identify what Dave Caldwell did wrong mm-hmm. and why it didn't work. I think it's also interesting to look at, hey, were there some things that work that you want this next person coming in to do similar things, but then add the things that Dave Caldwell didn't get done, mm-hmm. you know, to kind of mesh the two together because it wasn't all wrong. Keep in mind, Dave Caldwell, Tom Coughlin, Doug Marone, Shad Khan helped this football team and franchise to an AFC championship game in 2017. Only the third time that's ever happened in their existence. The problem is they couldn't sustain it. Yeah, so the re- the like the way I see Dave Caldwell here is there's Dave Caldwell, the person, and there's Dave Caldwell, the GM. I want to break down Dave Caldwell, the person, real quick, because the guy just lost his job. And I'm not going to celebrate anybody losing their job, and I get it. This is a cutthroat business. It's the it's a performance-based business. But I'm just saying from Dave Caldwell, the person, I have a lot of respect for who that guy is. Because keep in mind, I've been cut from the league many times. Um, I've been cut, I think, a total of five or six times. Well, six if you want to count the, the you know two times in Chicago on the same day. Right, and I counted as yes, and, and you got to keep in mind too. There was one instance where I traveled to Seattle to sign a contract, and for whatever reason, that didn't get done because of some transactions, and I flew all the way back not signing a contract. Never spoke to the GM one time, and the GM gave me the call to say, "Hey, come up to Seattle. We're gonna sign you." Like I was all set. You sat in the I, lobby. I was looking at apartments and everything. Um, I was ready to go to Seattle, and then didn't sign for whatever reason. Flew back. Longest plane ride of my life. Had to sit in the middle seat, by the way, which extra sucked. Let's just say. But what I'm trying to say is, listen, I, and I've been fired uh, the day before Thanksgiving, getting ready to play the Green Bay Packers in, in Detroit. Literally, the only reason why I got let go of Detroit was because the Patriots were going to sign somebody for the practice squad. The Lions couldn't allow that, so I'm gone. But what I'm trying to say through all those firings, through all those times I got you know terminated, let go, use your adjective, only one time when I got let go did I sit in someone's office that was a GM and they looked me in the face and they explained to me why I was getting let go. And that guy was Dave Caldwell. Hmm. Now keep in mind, I probably worked with Dave Caldwell less than any other GM uh, on my time with these teams because I only knew G- you know Dave Caldwell for maybe, what, two or three weeks? Because he was coming in, I was on the way out. But he still had the decency to sit me down in his office, look me in the eye, and tell me why I wasn't going to be a Jacksonville Jago going forward. And, and I've always respected him for that because every other GM I've ever had didn't do that to me. When they probably should have for some of the, you know, the BS that went down with me in Chicago especially, never did that. So props to Dave Caldwell for being like that. I'm not sure if he treated everyone like that, but he treated me like that, and I appreciate that. Now, obviously, I said there's two parts of Dave Caldwell. There's the, the, the person, the man, and then there's obviously the GM. Now, despite what you want to say about the first-round draft picks, despite what you want to say about the transactions, at the end of the day, it's a performance-based business. And if you're a GM, it goes by two things. It goes by your record, and it goes by the quarterback position. 
And unfortunately for Dave Caldwell, he didn't have great success in either of those positions. So with that being said, you know, he, he had to go. Um, you know, it, it still sucks for him. I'm sure he'll land on his feet. But if you're a Jaguars fan, um, I think that if you're a fan of going forward, you you know, it, it's been a long time coming, to say the least, for Dave Caldwell. Yeah, and I guess let's just jump right into it, right? Um, we, we don't need to go over the why. Everybody mm-hmm. knows why. Everybody saw this coming. But why now? Uh, do you think Detroit triggered this a little bit, uh, a third firing in the league? Now, remember, Houston had a firing, but uh, Bill O'Brien was doing a little bit of everything, and you still don't even know who the heck's running whatever in Houston. Yeah. And then, of course, Dimitrov and Quinn out five weeks into the NFL season after that rough start, and now Patricia and Quinn out in Detroit the day after Thanksgiving, or I think it happened on Saturday. Uh, and did that prompt Shad Khan to make the move now? Like, why now? What? If I ask that question, does it make sense that they did it now? Do you do you know why? Because if you look at those other places, mm-hmm. they fired GM and coach. Correct. This one is Doug Marone staying on until the end of the year, which we'll get into that part of it mm-hmm. later. But but so why now, in your opinion, mm-hmm. Dave Caldwell gets fired? Um, you know. If I was going to put it in a box and say this is why it happened, I think the fact that this team has lost 10 games in a row now, um, and I get it, you know, Cleveland's record says one thing, but I think that the Cleveland Browns were definitely beatable on Sunday, and then the Jaguars couldn't do it. I think in terms of personnel right now on this Jaguars team, they don't match up with anybody except maybe the Jets. So that falls on Dave Caldwell. Like, yes, it's the coach's job to coach the talent that he has before him. But it's the GM's job to put that talent on the field. And I think if you go top to bottom right now on this Jaguars roster, it's hard for them to compete regardless of the coach, regardless of the calls right now with the personnel that they have. And that's on Dave Caldwell. Yeah, and I would say I do think this is a bit of the head start. And i got to be a little careful because I don't want to be hypocritical. I, I don't know what the head start gets you necessarily. In my opinion, this is my opinion. I have no idea. Of this, But I believe Shad Khan did his due diligence last year on this kind of stuff. What if I made a change now? I think you do that when it's going bad. And then he decided, obviously, to get rid of Tom Coughlin and bring Marone and Caldwell back and more on that part of the story a little bit later as well. But I believe that due diligence is already being done. I think Shad Khan knows how this is ending. I think he knows Doug Marone's going to be gone as well. But he thinks he sees a team playing hard for him right now. And he doesn't believe in midseason moves at the head coaching position. He's already established that, and I think he's proven that. Uh, I know Gus was let go with two games to go, but that's not really midseason. That's still the end of the season. And so I got to believe to a degree this is a little bit of a head start. This is also going to showcase to me that he's going to hire a GM that he's going to put in charge, Hmm. right? Because it's a question I asked often, and and I continue to ask, and I will talk about until for a long time until I see it's happening. Who is running things in Jacksonville? Where is Tony Khan involved? Where is Shad Khan involved? How much of it is Dave Caldwell? How much of it is Doug Marone? How much of it was Tom Coughlin? We really don't have great answers to those questions other than in 17 and 18, I think, we knew Tom Coughlin was running the show. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't mean he was picking the players. We still don't know if we should pin Leonard Fournette on Tom Coughlin or on Dave Caldwell. Who pulled the trigger? So that's problematic in my view. I think this is a sign that Shad Khan is saying, yeah, we got some competition for a GM. 
the GM's going to come before the head coach. And that GM's going to have a big say on determining who the head coach is of this football team, much like he did do with Dave Caldwell the first time around, much like he did do with Tom Coughlin when he hired him in to say, okay, you pick. And he said, okay, Doug Marone can be the guy. All right, fine. Well, I think the hiring of this GM will then, that will be the pecking order of of how people answer yeah. football questions. And it's going to start with the general manager uh, that will have a lot of control. And, of course, there's going to be a partnership between coach and general manager. Yeah. But I think what he did right now is say, hey, listen, we lost 10 games in a row. It's the worst that we've ever done in franchise history. We just set a record for a single-season losing streak of 10 games in a row. Mm -hmm. We've got to do something here. I mean, that's not acceptable. I've got to prove that this is not acceptable to lose. So he pulls the trigger on it. Now you start the process of the GM, and then the GM can come in and say, okay, Doug, sorry, I don't think we're going to move on together, and I'm going to go bring my own guy in. Mm -hmm. I think that's what's going to happen the next five weeks Mm -hmm. uh, here in Jacksonville. What I can't pin down quite I don't have a great feeling on is when will that GM be hired? I don't know, but he's got some competition is the main point here. And I do think with for the at, at the risk of sounding a little bit hypocritical that you need to get a head start. I do think Shad Khan finally was like, hey, there's too many jobs out there and there potentially could be more. Denver, uh, uh, L.A. Correct. Uh, I'm missing someone. Oh, the Jets will be Bears, uh, Chicago. I actually think Cincinnati's a sleeper team that could make a move and change things. Probably not, but they're a sleeper move team, and that could be nine different jobs mm-hmm. from a head coach and or GM. Mm-hmm. you got to start putting some things together here. Yeah. And the Jacksonville Jaguars, maybe along with the L.A. Chargers, could have the most attractive job out there. Yeah, well, I, I want to break that the whole attractive job thing down here in a little bit. But let's get back to, is there really an advantage of letting the GM go right now um, in search of a new one. And you got to keep in mind how this is working right now. One could assume, and it's, it's not really an assumption, I guess I could say, because it could happen differently, but if you do choose to hire somebody from a different team that's currently involved in that job right now, well, they're not really taking phone calls, right? Like, they're still planning their stuff, and they're still trying to be successful. So that's one thing. If you choose to think outside the box and go with, like, an analyst at ESPN, well, then you can get the head start a little bit because keep in mind, like, the whole part of a, uh, a job of a GM is to start breaking down college film right now. Like, they they have to have a good idea of the guys they're going to look for to bring in here and what kind of team they're going to build. Now, I do agree with you, Brendan, in terms of, when you bring the new GM, he's got to have a hundred percent say of who the coach is going to be, because we've seen this shakedown many times different ways. Where you have a GM and coach that don't really get along. For instance, John Dorsey. John Dorsey is a big name right now being thrown around um, at, a, at a lot of places. I think Detroit right now. I read an article saying the Lions want him. You know, John Dorsey, and it was a guy that brought me to Kansas City. I know John Dorsey pretty well. Uh, he's a great guy. But the problem with John Dorsey and why he didn't work out in Kansas City. Because him and Andy Reid didn't get along. Simple as that. John Dorsey drafted Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. How is he still in Kansas City? Yeah. Simple. And he went and drafted Baker yeah, Mayfield. Exactly. But he didn't get along with Andy Reid. Simple as that. And you know somebody had to go. So it's important to have that you know s- simpatico relationship, if you will, with your GM and your head coach. And you know and whoever Shad Khan, whoever's in charge of making this move, who's in charge of making this hire, realizes that and says, all right. Bring in the GM, and then the GM goes from the you know the head coach, and then it kind of transpires from there. Yeah, so I 
It's going to be interesting to see the timing of it when they hire the GM. Here's something about the GMs, folks, and you're going to see a lot of names thrown about. And Dorsey's a name that will be around, right? And Scott Pioli's a name. And then the guy in Kansas City, because successful organizations is who you rip from. A guy in Indianapolis, a guy in Baltimore. Like, these guys. I'm not going to sit here and lie to you. I'm not going to sit here and tell you I know this is the next best guy. Listen, you know what? I could tell you Daniel Jeremiah is good because I've talked to him yeah. and I've seen Mike Mayock go from the NFL Network to the Raiders and he's doing an okay job. Okay, like, but yeah. that's that's the only thing I can tell you about him. I, I know he worked in the business as a scout. But we know the name Jeremiah Lewis. Riddick's going to be a name. See, people throw those names out there. And, and by the way, I'm not like hating on you for doing that. Mm-hmm. But I think we do it in the media, too. We don't know what's a good GM. Like, we really don't. Like, we have a feeling, hey, listen, if you want to bring Dabo Swinney in, we got a feel for that guy. We either like him or we don't. We yeah. know what he's done. We know what he can't do, can do. We think, hey, maybe Trevor Lawrence would say, forget about the Jets. I'll come to Jacksonville. Dabo's there. Mm-hmm. You know, we can we can give you all the coaches because we kind of know and can follow. GM's a totally different thing. Mm-hmm. And so while I think we'll fall in love with some of the names, who the hell knew Dave Caldwell before 2013? Nobody. Right. Correct. And so you could simply get that next guy. We'll talk about some of the candidates, what makes a good GM, because mm-hmm. I think that's up for debate, too. Mm-hmm. You know what makes a good GM? I'll tell you eight years after they're the GM. Yeah, <laughs> I'll yeah. tell you when John Dorsey, he picked Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, yeah. That's a damn good GM. Yeah. Right. Jeff Ireland, I think what he's doing in, with the New Orleans organization right now. I'll tell you why he's a good GM, because it's working. Yeah, yeah. For sure. No, you're absolutely <laughs> right. And listen, and like you said, we can break it down here in a little bit. But I love the narrative now. And listen, I mean, I think there's a couple of candidates from Kansas City that actually would be some pretty good names. But like the whole, well, let's see, like, who the Patriots got that we can kind of poach from. Yeah. And take, like, listen, it seems like for the past decade, everyone is trying to poach from the, from the, uh, you know, either the Steelers or, or the Patriots for sure. Or Seattle. The Seattle. But like, everyone's trying to build their team after the Patriots. The problem with that, though, is, listen, you don't have Tom Brady and you don't have Bill Belichick, so it's not going to happen. So you can keep on living in a fantasy world and say, all right, well, we're going to bring this guy because he's been around the Patriots way. He knows how to get things done. Does he? Because have you seen the Patriots coaching tree and how well they've done so far? I, I, I would probably argue Flores is probably doing the best job right now, and he could be like the only guy that's left. You know what I'm saying? Because, I mean, Vrabel was never really part of the, the Patriots coaching tree. No, he's part of saying culture. He played there, part of the culture, but was never part of the coaching tree. So, like, we get so hell-bent on saying, we got to go from the Kansas City Chiefs. we got to go from the Patriots because they know how to win. That's fine, but it's never going to be the same way. Where, Whoa, we got Tom Brady, we got Bill Belichick. No, it's not how it works. It actually scares me sometimes going it that should. way. It, not just the Patriots, but even, like... I don't know if I'm in love with the Kansas City guy mm-hmm. because I think that's the only reason you're telling me his name. Mm-hmm. Like, I get it. Seeing success matters. Mm-hmm. But doing it and having success is a different animal. Like, I don't know how you judge that. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you, like, Baltimore's been very successful. Correct. From Ozzie Newsom to DaCosta, if the next guy in line, you see the same traits, I don't know the guy. I don't know him. Mm-hmm. But. Baltimore's a well-run organization who drafts well. Yeah. I am conflicted at the moment. Do I want that? A guy that's seen it done well before and will have similar traits, which, by the way, was called well with Dimitrov. And Dimitrov yeah. had a nice run, uh, but didn't win a Super Bowl, but had a nice run. Uh, or do I want the Jeff Ireland? All right, A guy that's been around the block failed, mm-hmm. but also is having success, and most recently has had success. Now, what's Scott Pioli? Nice resume. Been around those kind of organizations that you mentioned. Also, 
didn't do too well, mm-hmm. I think, in Kansas City, and now has been out of it for a bit. I, I'm telling you, it's too early. I don't know which way I'd go. I, I'm not going to sit here and say, I want that guy. It's too early for me to figure that out, and I don't know these guys well enough. I think yeah. you're lying if you say, yeah, I definitely want this guy. I just don't know we know that. Listen, obviously, resume means something. Past history can mean something. But what I want out of a GM more than anything, Brent, it's organization and it's understanding the chain of command. That's what I need here because the problems in the past were dictated on lack of communication and not knowing where to fall in line. So you need a GM that understands the chain of command, that understands this is the job, this is the goal, here's what I'm going to do, and here's what I need. That's what you need more than anything. Yeah. I don't care about, well, this guy was in the Chiefs. This guy, No, just give me someone who's organized, who has a set goal ahead of him. Let me ask this quick before we go to break here. Head coach or GM, which one do you want to see? I mean, obviously the answer would be both of them, but if you could pick one to have more success right off the get-go, you need the head coach or the GM? Oh, man. Um, that's a great question. I, I probably lean the GM because you've got the second pick in the draft. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I can coach. If Justin Fields is awesome and that's who you predict and that's who, that's who you get, I could probably coach him a little bit if he's awesome. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Hopefully. Yeah. But I'm probably going to have a hell of a hard time if he's not very good. True. So I need somebody who's going to identify that quarterback. In yeah. fact, I'd be willing to bring Dorsey in just to identify the quarterback. I'd pay him $5 million yeah. just to find me the quarterback yeah. if he didn't want him in the building after that. Sure. That's how important it is. It is. All right, why didn't it work out for Dave Caldwell? And what did he do well that he won't get credit for? Is there anything? That's next on ESPN 690. Brent Martineau. Well, listen, if we wanted to just bump WWE by like a half hour or a few minutes, yeah. we should have just rolled your your highlight tape. Oh. Austin Lane. Oh, and there it is. And now Brent's playing ball. All of a sudden, Chapman throwing some high heat at me. Watch out for that suspension, Brent. Real quick, though. <laughs> Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. You know, obviously we're struggling to win football games. I think that we understand that. Obviously, it's a very competitive business. I think that, you know, we have an owner that, you know, wants a good product for our fans, wants to, you know, wants to win. It's obviously unfortunate. It is part of the profession, and we wish, you know, I wish him and his family the best of luck. You know, my focus right now is, is not on all the things that may be going on on the outside, but, you know, trying to get the team to win football games and um, be there for the coaches and, and the players and do my best job there. That is Doug Marone today in a conference call that sounded awful for the first few minutes. It finally did figure it out. You know, it's like they ask everybody to mute, and I'm telling you, these guys, you know, and I'm sure we've all been guilty of it, but somebody couldn't mute their phone. And so you were hearing, it's like, impossible. constant typing, like, yeah. the whole time yeah. through some of the responses. Now, thankfully, no. like Doug kind of said similar things even later, so you can use it. now. But it's like, hey, guys, we got to use this stuff on radio and yeah. TV. It's the only thing we have on a Monday. Stop typing or hit mute. So now, do you know who it was that was typing the whole we time? We don't. Nah, okay. Blink, blink it was Gene Fernet. Well, I yeah. don't think it, it was is. this time. Okay. Although right. he did not have a problem unmuting himself when he asked the question. Yeah, so yeah, it yeah, certainly could have been that he was already on <laughs> and not muted. Not muted at all. I mean, yeah, it, if, if yeah. we had the tea leaves up, <laughs> yep. it could always go back to Gene for now. When in doubt, 
We Go love you, Gene. Oh, I love him. Dude. Hey, but blame Gene. You want to talk about the gift that keeps on giving? I'm going to miss him, man. The end of an era. He, he he deleted that turkey photo. He did. On Twitter. <laughs> the end of an era, if you ask me. But, I mean, come on. It's got to be saved forever. I oh, didn't, it's, I a, mean, it's an archives. <laughs> it's an archive. That's a Twitter, like, staple. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, Twitter it's probably It's a cornerstone of Jaguars Twitter, for yeah, sure. I know. Cornerstone. I'm telling you, national Twitter, oh, wherever yeah. they are. Absolutely. Located, they probably saved that's, it. That's one of the greatest hits. Like, Twitter. Greatest hits, yeah, like Gene Burnett's in there. My great great Carbon great Stone. grandkids will see that someday <laughs> in the archives. At <laughs> <laughs> the trash bin. Oh, in the trash bin. Yep, classic. <laughs> I love you, Gene. Uh, Dave Caldwell out as the Jags general manager. Uh, listen again. It's not. This is news that's almost 24 hours old now. Yeah. Certainly wasn't uh, um, major. I mean, it's breaking news, but it wasn't like, wow, I can't believe it. Uh, maybe the surprise is that the GM's gone and the head coach still stays. So we'll get to the Doug Marone part in a bit. Uh, I did have a conversation with Caldwell, uh, and, and he sounded pretty good. You know, he sound, again, he's like, hey, you're one and nine. <laughs> yeah. Going in, you kind of know. Uh, it, these guys are smart enough to know what's up. They know the business. So, uh, as we look at Caldwell, it's simple, right? Why it didn't work. It's quarterbacks. Yeah. It's, at the end of the day, inability to keep the star players you did draft. Correct. And obviously, it's overall not winning enough. I mean, yeah. it, it's quite simplistic on why he's no longer the Jaguars general manager, right? No, without a doubt. And especially those first two things, because once again, like, yeah, we always tie wins and losses to the GM. But to me, that falls more on head coaches, right? Like, the GM puts the person on the field, head coach, you got to make it work. But with that being said, um, and, and let's not get it twisted here. Like, Dave Caller wasn't responsible for building the culture of this team. He was responsible for drafting the guys. And now maybe, like, the personalities and things like that, that they could coexist with the team. But it wasn't Dave Caldwell's job to create the culture in the locker room. It was his job to put the guys in the locker room that he thought were, you know, were best suited to win ball games. At the end of the day, though, the fact you couldn't keep Jalen Ramsey, you couldn't keep Yannick Ngakwe, like, yeah, you can sit here and say those are good draft picks, but they're only as good as draft picks if they're still here and they're gone. So with that being said, that falls on the GM as well. Yeah, and by the way, that could be as much with Tom Coughlin. Uh, again, the muddy nature of the last four years especially is is puzzling to me and something I think Shad Khan needs to address and fix moving forward. Without like, a doubt. The fact that we – now listen, you knew, you knew uh, Gus Bradley and Dave Caldwell came into this together and were working hand-in-hand. And until things started going south, I think then you saw a little bit of a separation because that's what happens in the business. Like, Gus was going to lose his job. I think Caldwell was like, well, we gave him these kind of players. And and he kind of did save himself, you know, at the end of the day, whatever he told. Now, he didn't get fired then. Tom Coughlin got in, so he kind of got demoted, but he kept his job in Jacksonville. And and maybe better off in the in hindsight, Shad Khan should have just fired Dave Caldwell. So then we knew what who was making all the calls and decisions moving forward with Tom Coughlin. Although, I will tell you this, the whole Coughlin-Caldwell thing, there was never a bunch, at least from my understanding, not a lot of like button heads. Hmm. Uh, I think the Marone Coughlin thing was interesting as we saw them kind of go different ways in their philosophies and ideals based on what was happening in that locker room. We sensed that in 2019. And I can tell you this, the Caldwell-Marone relationship was a good one. I think Doug hinted at that today. And there was no like 
butting heads in terms of why did you do this or why didn't you do this or why aren't you start? I mean, there's probably those conversations, but I'm just telling you there wasn't a lot of friction there. Okay. Um, and that's not why, like, Caldwell was let go this weekend. You yeah. Know? Well, let me ask you this because you probably know better than anybody because you have been following this with a microscope essentially for the past, well, um, you know, five, six years, or actually eight years, I think Caldwell has been here. Um, so you said it when Caldwell got brought on with Gus Bradley, and obviously Bradley fell through, entered Doug Marone. Their relationship there at the time when they first started, it wasn't it wasn't awkward, it wasn't fractured or anything like that because they didn't come in together. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. it was Caldwell's thing, and then here comes Marone. But my question to you is, when Tom Coughlin came in, and like all of a sudden there's kind of I think a, a confusion of where the chain of command stems from. Did that? relationship kind of get fractured after Coughlin left. Like, uh, I'm talking about between Caldwell and Marone. Like, was it one way before Coughlin got there, then was it another way after Coughlin left? I think it was, uh, I don't think Marone and Caldwell knew each other great, to be honest with you, hmm. prior to Caldwell. I mean, he was the assistant coach, and so yeah. they knew each other as well as he knew he needed to. But yeah. I, I don't. I think that was a relationship that developed. Then you got to look at it, and Coughlin was the guy in charge. Marone was kind of, I don't want, I, I, this sounds very disrespectful to, to Doug, but he's, it felt like Coughlin was running things in 17, okay? Mm-hmm. And so it's unfair to say he was a puppet, but he certainly wasn't like this, the strong personality in the room. And somewhere in the middle was Dave Caldwell. Like what his role was at that is still kind of murky. You know, I think he was making a lot of the picks. I think his scouting department was making a lot of the picks. But I do think in like the Leonard Fournette pick, in my view, was, hey, signed off by yeah. Tom Coughlin. The Nick Foles thing, well, while it might have been endorsed by Caldwell, so I'm not taking blame away from him, I think it was endorsed and signed off by Tom Coughlin. So they have probably some share of blame. And at the end of the day, Coughlin had more blame because he was the one making the rubber stamp decisions. Sure. You know, so he, that was the role he was in. That was the role we, we told we were told he was in uh, by Shot Khan. He was trusting him with all of that stuff. So it was on Coughlin um, under his watch. But obviously Caldwell uh, looped into that. You asked an interesting question, like who sets the culture? Like you said, it wasn't really he wasn't a culture builder in Jacksonville. It felt like Gus was more of a culture builder. Right. Yep. At the time. And then Coughlin, interestingly enough, was the culture builder builder in 1718. And it felt like Marone was a culture changer in 2019, heading into 2020. And just to uh, you really put a punctuation on the relationship, how much it grew. Well, they obviously went in and sold something to Shad Khan at the end of last year when Coughlin got fired yeah. and said, hey, we can do this. We can do this. Tom was an issue <laughs> to some degree. And I don't think they put blame on him. Just said, hey, we separate ourselves because we feel like, you know, we have the respect of the players, you mm-hmm. know, and, and we can do this. And if we go with Minshew and if we. We start you over and get younger. You can win bigger. It's better for the organization whether we're around or not. I think those are some of the conversations, but they did that hand-in-hand. And Doug said today, and you'll hear this later on, that they were hand-in-hand on the draft conversations. You know, It's not like Doug was making the selections, but Doug probably had his more input into this draft than he had in any personnel decision Mm -hmm. three years prior with Tom Coughlin. Well, and this is where the, the whole, you know, communication thing comes back around here. Because when Tom Coughlin was here, whether there was a, a discrepancy of who was making the draft picks, who was making these shots, and then you said it yourself where you feel like, you know, Doug Marone and Dave Caldwell, they didn't hate each other, obviously, and they're probably, you know, decent friends. Like, you didn't get a sense that they were, like, 
tight knit. Yeah, because they're and, all kind of placed together, right? Exactly. And and that's like, listen, if you're a Jaguars fan, that's not what you want. Like, you need tight knit. And, and when I say tight knit, like, listen, the only time a, a GM should have an influence on a player in that locker room is obviously we're talking about contracts and surrounding himself with teammates around him. All right, like the the, the GM is not responsible for setting a tone for setting a culture. That's the head coach's job. Now, it's the head coach's job to relate to the GM, hey, these are the kind of guys that we need. This is what the plan is. And then they work together and they figure it out. But I'm not going to sit here and, 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 and harp on Dave Cole because, well, he had a bunch of choir boys or because, well, the, you know, the, the team dynamic, the, the, the team unity just wasn't there. That's not on Dave Caldwell. All right. That's on coaching and that's on Tom Coughlin. No, said. Well, interesting, though, okay, because before we move on, because I'm going to get to what he did well. Mm-hmm. Here's, see, I think uh, it's obvious. I just gave you the reasons why Dave Caldwell didn't work. Quarterbacks, and, and by the way, like we put this on our wall that says it all yesterday on the show, and I said Minshew's a mistake. Yeah. Well, Foles was a mistake, and I said Bortles was a mistake. That is, those are the primary reasons why it didn't work out. Those are three well, quarterbacks Bortles, though, he gave that him, you're tied to. Uh, yes, Bortles usually get one quarterback chance. Yeah. He got another, and Nick yeah. Foles, again, how much was Coughlin involved in that? But it was an obvious decision. They paid him too much money. They made a mistake. Yep. Whoever was involved in that decision-making, they made a mistake, and it was on Caldwell's watch, too. Yeah. And then, see, I say Minshew, and a lot of people clap back at me and said, well, what do you mean Minshew was a mistake? He was a six-round pick. That's not what I mean. This isn't on Minshew. Mm-hmm. The bottom line is they sold the owner last year that Minshew's the guy. They didn't bring anybody else in. And I'm not saying they, they would have worked jobs. out, but yeah. they, they could have tried yeah. to go get Teddy Bridgewater. They could have tried to get Cam Newton. They yeah. could have tried to get a Phillip Rivers. They could have tried to get t- uh, uh, Winston, mm-hmm. even though um, you don't know if those guys would have come. I'm just saying they didn't even try. Yeah. And they didn't go try to get Justin Herbert mm-hmm. and trade ahead. Mm-hmm. Didn't do that. And so they were going with Minshew. So the mistake is not on Minshew. Minshew's overachieved already in his career. But the mistake was on Caldwell and Marone to say, hey, we think this guy can lead us to the promise. It just hasn't transpired. Yeah. And so that's definitely one of his mistakes mm-hmm. is is the Minshew faith. Yeah. That they sold the Shad Khan last year. Yeah, listen, if you're Dave Caldwell, you had three chances at the quarterback position, and you f- and it failed. Simple as that. I yeah. mean, like you said, some GMs only get one chance. Dave Caldwell got three chances, all right? So he's lucky there. But I want to ask you this. I remember the whole Nick Foles thing, right? And I remember where we were at, we were at uh, Sawgrass, we were talking about it, and they signed Nick Foles, and I was pretty happy about it. I, I don't know, I can't remember where you stood. I, I was like, pretty, I, yeah. I thought it was the right move, to be but honest. But, like, at the time, I mean, it seemed like the right move, because let's be honest, other choices out there, I mean, maybe Teddy Bridgewater, Joe Flacco, no, like, there wasn't much. wasn't much. So, like, what would you have done then? In that situation, and I get it. Hindsight's twenty twenty. I'm gonna make excuses for Dave Cole because once again, like I just said, he had three cracks to get a quarterback. He couldn't do it. But in that situation right there with Nick Foles, you don't take him. What would you have done then? Yeah. Well, keep in mind they really made a fourth error because they really had the Blake error twice. They extended they him. him. Yeah. And so that was really the first domino after mm-hmm. Blake being the miss and not saying, hey, we can go get better. Yeah. I mean, look, Alex Smith was an MVP candidate, and Kansas City said, we can go get better. The Jags go to the AFC Championship game. Blake has six good weeks, and yeah. they say, oh, we got our guy. Sure. I mean, just think about the line of thinking there between the two, and look where both organizations are right now. Mm-hmm. So what else could you have done with Foles? Uh, without, I don't, not much. I mean, you would have had to go get something in the draft. Yeah. That was your way to go. I mean, it was either Foles and try to win with what you have. Mm-hmm. which I do think made a lot of sense. The money and all that obviously backfired and didn't work out. I do think they paid him more than they he, they needed to because they had no competition. Mm-hmm. But I think the Foles try, the swing for Foles, made sense to me. 
Yeah. Uh, and now in hindsight, it's a silly one, of course, but it didn't make sense at the time uh, to me. So the, the bigger mis- – another mistake I think Caldwell made, and this is one that's hard to describe. I don't think he could ever find the mesh of talent that would fit sustainable winning. Mm. And and that's that's where he made mistakes. The character of of players. I mean, Telvin Smith's out of the league. I'm not yeah. I'm not sure how he's supposed to see that. But Jalen Ramsey, how do you get let but, it get to the point it yeah. got to? Yannick Ngakwe. I don't know. Again, some of this is Tom. That's fine. But on Caldwell's watch is drafting this young talented group, this 2016 class, yeah. which was unbelievable in talent. Yeah. And not doing anything with it from a sustainability standpoint. Well, They're all making plays for other teams. But you know, you're absolutely right. But at the end of the day, like, listen, like Jalen Ramsey's a prime example of this. Maybe there was a red flag out of college and Jalen Ramsey saying, Well, he's got a, a prima donna attitude problem. That's fine. There's tons of teams out there that can cultivate that and get the best out of Jalen Ramsey. Now I think Dave Caldwell at the time made the best pick in Jalen Ramsey, and for a while it was a genius pick. Once again, though, the problem was it was the culture. Like the, the, it could not cultivate Jalen Ramsey, and you lost him. Now does that stem more on the GM or the head coach or a combination of both? Maybe a combination of both. But I don't fault Dave Caldwell going after Jalen Ramsey. What I fault is the culture that couldn't cultivate Jalen Ramsey and still have him here to this day. And I think that's more blame on Shad Khan for creating the Tom Coughlin. Caldwell, Marone, whatever, yeah. that led to the departure of guys. I don't know if that was just on Caldwell. There's plenty of blame to go around, and at the top of it is Shad, because Shad set up a situation that backfired. Mm-hmm. I mean, you had the most grievances in the NFL three years later, mm-hmm. two years after going to the AFC title game. It worked for a year, and that's it. That's not the idea. It's to work sustainable winning, and that's what the GM's supposed to do. That's what the owner's supposed to help you to do. So there's plenty of blame on Shad Khan in that situation. All right, I didn't get to his best move. I'm going to do that next. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Yeah, well, I don't think I don't think we expected, obviously, you know, the, the situations of, you know, the shutdown in the offseason and the development of the players. You know, I felt that, you know, when you look at it, it's not a, it's not a, a, a secret. You know, we didn't have a lot of space. You know what I'm saying? When the cap space, we had a tough decisions. But I thought, you know, when I look at this draft and I look at this draft class, you know, we did work together on it. You know, we worked hard with the coaching staff and the scouting staff. And, you know, we put an emphasis on some things that, that we feel that we've gotten. I appreciate that from Doug Marone. Doug Marone answering a question about his relationship with uh, with Dave Caldwell and also just uh, kind of what they were thinking through this whole process. Mm-hmm. He didn't do too much in retrospect, but he gave a little insight. Um, and, and I gathered this over the weekend, too, because my big question is, like, when did it pivot, you know? And basically, Doug just answered the question the way I was told, uh, you know, kind of what happened. Because if you go back, one of my big beasts this year has been, when did the organization pivot? Which I think is the right move to do what they've done. Mm-hmm. Kind of strip it down, try to win as many games as possible. If it doesn't work, you put yourself in position to be very successful in 21. Uh, I'll have more on that part of it a little bit later. But why? How did that happen when Shad Khan in January told us he was bringing Marone back and Caldwell back because he thinks that they're closer to winning if he keeps them together? And then they pivoted, and it was crystal clear they weren't closer to winning. A month and a half later, they were far further than they had been in three years to winning. Yeah. And so I think Doug just answered that with, once you kind of did the math, it wasn't enough cap space. There wasn't enough to really say, hey, we can go get player A and player B and make us this much better going forward to make us a contender. Mm -hmm. And so the flip side of that is like, okay, if we're going to be stuck right here, 
let's clear stuff out and make it look good going forward because we're just going to be spinning our wheels yeah. in 2020. So, the, the, you know, could they have gone out and won eight games by keeping Calais, by maybe even keeping A.J. Boye, uh, by, heck, even keeping Nick Foles on the roster if they wanted to, um, or, or two of the three of those moves, and then going out and getting another piece here or there? Probably. They probably could have won six, seven, eight games, but they weren't winning 12 games. And I think they made the right calculation there. And so I put this question out there earlier, and I'm sorry taking a little while to answer, but that's kind of the way it goes. Uh, I... Welcome I, to the show, Brian. I mean, hey, yeah, listen, we've, hey, well, we've had two million viewers so far. Like, people understand how they it understand works. understand that. Yeah, yeah, uh, they expect that from us. And so, but what I, I think Caldwell maybe has done is his best move as I asked that, and Tony Poulter said, hey, the Leonard Fournette, getting rid of him, now James Robinson. It's a good move by the Jacks, it sure. looks like, right? It yeah. looked like, what are you guys doing? You're Absolutely. tanking. Yeah. No, actually, they got better. They actually got better from they that did. move, and we thought they were tanking from that move. No, absolutely. So that's a good move. Listen, what you got from Jalen Ramsey on paper was good, but you lost arguably one of the best players to ever put on a uniform in Jags history. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you got a six-round pick for Blaine Gabbert. Congratulations. You know, you got out of the Nick Foles deal. I tell you what, Dave Caldwell could trade. We went over this in the summer. Mm-hmm. He's good at trading. He got a lot of value from trades mm-hmm. over the years. But I think his best move, and, and it was in collaboration with Doug Marone, yeah. is noticing. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, no, go ahead. Uh, I'll have to say, is it Calais Campbell? No, no. Well, okay. well, it's partly Calais. Okay. Because it's noticing that hey, even if we try to win this year, we ain't winning big. Mm-hmm. Let's put this in a spot that we can win faster mm-hmm. instead of doing this next year and having to rip it down again. Yeah. And so they made the correct decision for the franchise, even though it probably didn't help them out. They could have tried to win eight or nine games and save their job. Yeah. Instead, they said, you know what? Everybody else is like, this team's awful. We're like, no, we like this team. We think we can win. Now, they're wrong, but going forward, it's in the best place it's been in in quite some time. I know that doesn't feel good on Sundays right now, but it actually, if you're going to turn this organization around, it's in one of the best places it's been to turn it around in a long, long time. Listen, and this is getting back to the narrative a little bit of making the job look attractive to the next suitor. Uh, and and once again, I, I kind of tease this too to start the show. Maybe after the break here, we can start addressing this a little bit. Do you disagree with that? I disagree with really? it. Really? I, I wholeheartedly disagree with the whole attractive job thing. I know that's a hot topic, a hot buzzword thing right really? now on social media okay. in terms of articles and things like that. But I could not disagree more in terms of it's an attractive job right now. And I'll tell you why after the break. That's a heck of a tease. Uh, a heck of a tease. I'm looking forward to that conversation because it also... I believe you can make the case that Shad Khan's best move as owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars was keeping Doug Marone and Dave Caldwell last year. Mm. So these conversations will go hand in hand. Oh, next yeah. And I'm going to go crazy. <laughs>